The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everybody to One Hour at a Time with Mary Woods. Of course, this is John McAndrew, your usual guest host. And today we have... uh, I always like to have musical guests and sort of creative people. And our guest today, his name is Skip Haynes, and he's formerly of the Chicago rock group Aliata Haynes Jeremiah. Probably said that wrong. And they've uh, he uh, Skip also owns the Laurel Canyon Animal Company. It's a record label in L.A. that creates music about for and with animals. And I hope we can talk about that today. He's a graphic designer. Uh, an animal and political activist. But today, his new book, it's called The Book of Rehab, and it's, it's sort of a practical and funny every man's approach to drug addiction. And he wrote this step-by-step guidebook, and it's based on years of personal experience. And on the theory, it takes one to communicate with one. And it also can be used as a standalone program to support before, during, and after in conjunction with any other drug rehab program. I'll give you more information. I'm kind of uh, interested to talk to Skip. Skip, how did you find time after doing all these things to come and talk with us today? <laughs> well, I always like to talk about this because it's kind of, I, in my career singing, <clears throat> let's say this way, got a lot of people high. And now I'm trying to repay this, as it were, to, you know, give people a possible way to get on high, as it were, if you want to do that. Well, it's, 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 it's always very important to classic rock hits, Lakeshore Drive, which is LSD, and mm-hmm. Snow Queen. Um, there's a lot insinuated. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, that's part of it, sure. I mean, when I actually went back and looked at the songs I wrote, there were quite a few of them during the uh, 70s and early 80s that were uh, drug-related because that was a big part of my life, or most of my life during that period of time. You um, you know, you've been interviewed on NPR and CNN and mm-hmm. ABC, NBC, CBS, Fox News, everywhere, every newspaper, mm-hmm. and your music's been playing all over for years and years. And what kind of a, is, is interesting for me and, you know, to host you on the show is sort of your journey to this point, to this book, and we'll get to the book in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Can you share with our listeners a little more of, uh, you live in L.A. now, but a lot went on between the rock days in Chicago and L.A., hasn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. We were, you know, the band I was in, we were, we, you know, we we were on several major labels, and we played all over the country. And, you know, we started playing in the early 70s, in 1970. And uh, during that period of time, uh, we did a lot of drugs. Everybody did a lot of drugs. 
We used to put acid on our coilers. You know, we did a lot of drugs. Mm-hmm. And we were lucky and made it through. And finally, at one point, after I left the band and was still performing, I actually um, looked at myself in the mirror one day and, and took a look at myself and went, if you don't stop using, you're going to die. It's real simple. You know, I, I knew I was finished. And I wasn't one of those kind of people that could have gone into rehab. And by the way, rehab in the 70s was prison. It wasn't promises in Malibu. It was like you went to jail. So there was no way that I could do that, but yet I knew I had to do something. So I guess I instinctively, I was in Chicago at that time, and my parents lived in San Diego. So I went to San Diego. I just got up and left, which ended up in my book. But I got up and left, and mostly went to San Diego because I knew... The closest bar I would be interested in going to was Dan Tana's in Los Angeles, and I wasn't going to be able to get there. I knew instinctively I had to get away from my environment. And it turned out I ended up staying about six months. And my father had a small publishing company, published Haiku, and he, he was legally blind. So I used to take him to these, you know, poetry readings and things in bookstores. And uh, we went to one... And there was a guy who was called the king of the how-to books, and he was giving a, uh, a demonstration. And I was listening to him, and I went, boy, I, could, I bet I could write a how-to book on how to stop using drugs. And I went up to him and asked him how he did it. He says, well, you make an outline, then you make another outline, then you make another outline, and you get a book. So I went home and did that. You know, I just did what I did. And um, after I... Uh, after I um, completed that, I went back to Chicago when I was clean. And what year was this now? Probably around 1980. I'm thinking. I'm not good with so you're, so you're like, clean like, in late 70s, 80, somewhere in there. Yeah, yeah, late 70s, or, or it would be early 80s, very early 80s, I believe. But it's hard for me to tell. You know, like old drug injuries. Sometimes my memory slips, yeah. and. Um, when I went back to Chicago, so many people asked me how I did it. And basically, they said, well, if you did it, you know, I can do it. That I ended up writing it down. And I made it, you know, a very small book. And I wrote it for my peers, my musician friends. I had no idea it was going to go any farther than that. But I wanted to write something that was uh, brief and to the point. Mm-hmm. So that's basically... The genesis of the book. And then now, every time I do a reprinting, I update it. It's kind of a living book okay. to me. So what year was the book first written? You know, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> I don't have it with me, and I don't keep the well, editions. this is perfect that you can't remember. Of course, old drug injury. It gives credence <laughs> to what you're, all, you're talking about. Yeah, I, it was like the, the early 80s. Let's say the early okay. 80s. <laughs> So now it's 2013, and this mm-hmm. is sort of an updated uh, version. Is that Correct. right? And, and you've got, it's called the Book of Rehab, and it's how to straighten up your act in one week and keep the money in the country. Mm-hmm. Or you can't sell bananas with a monkey on your back. Mm-hmm. These are all chapters in your book. And, I've, you know, I went through it, and on the very bottom of this new reprint, and this is pretty serious right here because it's sort of the, it's the truth, I think. Mm-hmm. If someone you know has a habit problem and you don't know what to say to them, this book can do your talking for you. 
And the book is really good at that because I think your humor, underneath the humors, I mean, if you're going to hit somebody in the gut, you better make them laugh first. I've kind of always found that to be true. Right, right. And and you start off with, <laughs> you are a moron. Mm-hmm. So speaking it takes to one to know one, right? Yes, it takes one to know one. That's true. So why did that become your first chapter? Well, it, actually what happened, I used to go to a workout class in Chicago, and um, it was called White's Warriors, and it was run by a guy named Dick White, and basically that was his approach to it. You're a jerk, get down, do your exercises. If, if you don't do them, you're getting kicked out of the class. It was total third-grade peer pressure approach to doing things. And I kind of took that tough coach approach and use it in my book. I really liked it. I didn't get offended when he... And he didn't use the word moron. He used a different word that I really still probably can't use on the air. But, you know, and I went, you know, like when you're a musician, you have that kind of attitude like, what do you mean I can't do it? Excuse me while I do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so that's the attitude I had on the, uh, on the book. I went, I just want this to be hardcore. This is really serious stuff. You're going to die if you don't stop using, you know, kind of thing. So, and I always think, I, you know, at the same token, I, I, I laughed at myself consistently over the years of things that I did when I was high. You know, in fact, my worst addiction was nicotine. Cigarettes were my worst. And I have no problem now telling people, yeah, I did heroin, and I did TC, you know, TCP, and I did blah, 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 I, you know. There are some things I did for nicotine that I'm still embarrassed to talk about. Sure. You know, so um, I kind of took this whole approach, and I, and I looked at it, and I wanted to do something. I just told people what I did that worked, and I saw it worked. And every line in that book is something I, that happened to me a hundred times or a thousand times, and I saw it happen to my friends the same amount of time. So I figured if I put that down, I could be reasonably sure that I was giving accurate information to people in a way maybe they could accept it, you know, because that's the whole thing. You have to make it pal. You have to frame the information in a way that people, you know, can accept it. Right. In the context, you know, this. of course, some people go, oh, my God, you know, language is so important. We, we need to use, you know, not so damning, condemning language, but... In the context of you being in the rock band and that whole life mm-hmm. um, that you lived, and there's a line here. It's really, you say, I, I was caught up in the cocaine, alcohol, anything else I can cram into my nose, mouth, whatever syndrome. I'd just been too high to notice. Mm-hmm. Um, back in those days, it was like expected of people, and we still, to some degree, glamorized this just crazy, crazy behavior. Um, we don't see it as much anymore, but, you know, those of us that are over 50 remember how it was so glamorized to be stupid. Yeah, well, it's still, you know, look at Lindsay Lohan and et cetera. Mm-hmm. It's still glamorized. You know, yeah. it's, it's still glamorized, and that's part, of the, that's part of it. It comes along with it, and, you know, you just have to deal with it, you know, because mm-hmm. the thing I saw is... A lot of my friends are dead. A lot of my friends are in prison. And some of them made it through. You know, with the, the lucky ones made it through. And um, I just, 
you know, and when I wrote the book, I didn't, I didn't really think it was going to really go farther than my friends in bars. And, you know, the funny thing is drug dealers buy my book for the people that work for them. Most people don't realize that drug dealers have problems with their help. Yeah. I mean, if the help gets too high, you go to jail or get killed. So it's a big problem. And bar owners, by the way, you know, I, it, it, it's like it's something friends of mine that are in rehab take that book into rehab with them because it's, it's reassuring, it's funny, and makes you laugh at yourself. You know, I remember I used to go, I, you know, it used to be no problem to come up with 100 bucks for a gram which, by the way, still cost $100 40 years later, so that tells you where the state of drugs are in this country. Uh, I used to, no problem, I always found an extra $100 somewhere in cash, but I would go into a shoe store and look at a pair of shoes and go, oh, my God, they're $25. Can I afford this? I mean, I'd spend 20 minutes going back and forth about a pair of shoes that would only last, what, two or three years versus $100 for a gram that would disappear in, you know, 10 minutes. So I used to yeah, laugh when, at when you, when I did that. When you looked in the mirror, we, we talked about it earlier in this mm-hmm. uh, segment, you looked in the mirror that day back in late 70s, mm-hmm. 1980, whatever. Mm-hmm. You said, i got to get out of here. I'm going to die. The, um, what else was going on with you? I mean, you had a feeling you were going to die, but um, well, fit, was like, like, your bottom, like, and what else was going on? Well, I, mean, I looked at myself you? physically, and I was 20 pounds overweight. I was gray, you know. Um, um, I was bleeding when I went to the bathroom. I mean, just all these horrible things. And my career was tanking, you know. Mm-hmm. My uh, uh, relationships were tanked. You know, it was like everything was coming down. I went, I have to do something or I'm finished. You know, I just, yeah. it finally got to me. And I was lucky I bolted, and uh, which was the right thing to do. Because like yeah. in my book, that's what I say, you know, get out first. Yeah. Get, get yeah. away from that environment. And... Uh, and it just led to this. It was just kind of a path that happened. I had no intentions of writing a book. I had no intentions of doing anything like that. I just knew I had to get away from where I was. And I had to get away from the people that I was with. Not that I didn't like them. It's just that, you know, yep. there was no one there. And if you want to get clean, the people around you aren't going to help you, you know. Yeah. That, that's something I, I, I noticed here. You know, it's like you take people like Michael Jackson. I feel I felt sorry for him because he was pretty much doomed by his fame. You know, you have, and I saw this when I worked with music heirs and the Grammys. You have, you know, um, managers of big acts used to come in, and these were guys that cared about their acts, and they had a huge problem because they knew their acts, like Michael Jackson or people like that, were heading down the road. They they, they were going to die. They knew that. And yet, because that they were the meal ticket for these managers, and they knew that if they said anything to these acts, they'd be fired. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? You know, I, I remember Michael Jackson being, or Deepak Chopra being on uh, a television show, and I think he was one of the very few people who told Michael Jackson, you have a problem, you have to quit. And he said the minute he told Jackson that, that was it. He got cut off, never heard from him again. Yeah, and that's we're talking the, with we're talking with Skip Haynes about his book, the Book of Rehab, and we're going to continue with this little thread of thought about uh, you've got to change some things because it, it's really in your book. And, mm-hmm. and when we come back from uh, commercial, we're going to pick it up again with Skip Haynes.
listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. West Bridge Community Services. West Bridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. West Bridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at West Bridge Community Services. West Bridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Make the most of your beautiful life. Listen to Ageless Living with Dr. Tong Lee and co-host Kurt Wilhelm to gain tips on how to live healthier and happier, alleviate suffering, prevent disease, become more beautiful in body, mind, and fashion, and find peace, balance, and success in your life. Are you aware that every 3,500 calories that you eat above what you burn will put a pound of fat on your body? And running one mile only burns 200 calories? So portion size does matter, and migraines do have a cure. What is it? You'll have to tune in Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is John McAndrew. We've been talking with Skip Haynes, and he's the author. He's a whole bunch of things. Uh, he's the author of a, of a book called The Book of Rehab, which he wrote many, many years ago, and he kind of keeps updating. He never really intended to be an author. Um, and this book is just sort of how he sobered up, and we've been talking about his first chapter, That You're a Moron, and... Uh, <laughs> And, and what that word means. And, and I, at first it may seem offensive, but if you read this book, you're going to see that it's very, very serious. Um, you know, he cares very much about people getting this message. This is really a great book if you know somebody that has a problem with drugs and you, you don't know really what to say or how to say it to them. And sometimes people closest to us aren't the ones to say to them, uh, you know, what they need to hear. This is really a great book. And you can order it at www.thebookofrehab.com, D-H-E-B-O-O-K-O-F-R-E-H-A-B.com. Uh, very easy to read, very funny. Skip has been all around the place and interviewed by all sorts of people and all the networks and, and TV shows and magazines. So it's, uh, it's really my honor today to have him on the show. And Skip... Let's pick up with the chapter, A Day in the Life with Mr. Jones, and I want you to kind of explain to our listeners what that chapter's about. Well, after, you know, I, I, since I wrote this book for fellow users, I wanted to establish my credit that I was, you know, I knew what I was talking about. So A Day in right. the Life with Mr. Jones was a day in my life for probably 15 years, and it's the same day in everybody's life who uses 
you know, it depends on what drugs you're using to what neighborhood you go to and so forth, but it's always the same, you know, always with the same result. Mm -hmm. So I did it humorously, but I was just actually thinking of one night of over-the-top partying, and we used to do that six, seven nights a week, but, you know, and it was just to make sure that people reading the rest of the book felt that I knew what I was talking about from the street, you know, and I purposely wrote this book in street language because I, when, when I was confronted with rehab, I do not want to read a 300-page book by a doctor. That's the last thing that I'm going to look at. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I wrote something that was really simple. I wanted to make it funny. I got to use every bad drug one-liner I ever heard all at once, which is kind of fun for me. And um, I wanted to connect with the people, and I wanted them to think about what they were doing, you know. So a day in the life, you know, it's like you get up and you have to go get money so you can go cop, so you can get high, so you can go get some more money, so you can go cop, so you can go get high, you know. And then maybe fall asleep at 6 o'clock in the morning, you know, if you can. And, oops, if you're using cocaine, oops, I better have something to drink, got too high, oops, got too low, have to snort some more, got too high, you know. And the fact that you would go out and and order, like, a $300 gourmet meal at a hot restaurant and then not eat it because you were too high on coke and everybody sit there looking at it. And then you have to put in doggy bags and you forget to take the doggy bags because you're too high, you know. It's just on and on and on and on. And I did it to establish my credit. It's really, can I, I'm going to read a paragraph because this stuff is, uh, you can't make this up. This is good. So you talk about the morning and then, you know, dinner, drinks, the whole thing. And here's the paragraph near the end. Uh, When you finally get there and you're talking about going to the club, uh, Mm Mm-hmm. But you immediately order two or more or three more drinks just to stay in the ballpark. You have to cash a check at the bar because you've already spent enough to cover your car insurance for six months. In parentheses, if you snort, you drink. That's how it works. Besides, when you're having a good time, what's a little money? Then you discover you're running out of powder. You have to make a call, see if you can get more. If you can't, you're screwed. Or that's what you think. No cocaine. No fun. And, it, you know, it goes on, and I, I think, boy, certainly many drug addicts can, uh, can relate to this language, and it goes on and on and on. And you end with, you're a moron. Think about it, you know. <laughs> yeah, it just, you know, it just, I, I wanted to keep repeating that so yeah. it, in a kind of a self-depreciating way. So you start yeah. looking at it as a term of endearment as opposed to, you know, because just like, you, this is really stupid, but look at it. I want them to see why, you know, because when you're getting high, you can't see that. And no one's going to tell you that. And if they yeah. do tell you that, the odds are you're not going to listen to them. You know, we so. talked briefly um, in the last segment about celebrity. And uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think the one reason I like this book so much is that we watch television today. And I think you're right. We still do glorify. Oh, we glorify going to the club and drinking. And mm-hmm. um, and they show these people all having such a great, great time. And and people that are addicts, you know, we have them on the show. And you're, you're the perfect guy to say this. That isn't the total honest picture of what happens when people go out. Mm-hmm. But what they fail to show is when you go home and look in the mirror. You know, at 6 o'clock, you've spent all your money. 
You've spent money you don't have. Mm -hmm. You've ignored your kids, your relationships. It's really the whole dead-end thing of it uh, is what we don't talk about in our culture. And uh, so I appreciate you kind of bringing that up because the drugs and alcohol and the scene, you know, um, it's just not a glorious situation, obviously. It's not not talked about, you know, and... One of the other things I wanted to do in my book is I wanted to uh, let people know there's more about drugs uh, than you really know, that that you think about. And I put a section called Food for Thought Mm -hmm. in the book. And, you know, the first segment of that is guns. You know, we have such a big, huge gun debate in this country. Well, where there's drugs, there's guns. And there's people that'll use them on you or anybody else around. So I want you to think about that when you're going to cop. You know, just like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you're going to be in a position, you know, that you're going to get killed. There's another thing called the snorting syndrome. When you snort, you don't think about what you're snorting. As long as it's white and it's a powder, you'll snort it at 4 o'clock in the morning. And if it's not, if it's PCP, if it's, you know... Uh, a date rape or anything, once you snorted, it's over. So, and I put in a, a whole scenario on what can happen with snorting, just so maybe, then if nothing else, the next time you go out to get high, you'll think about who you're snorting with. You'll look at it a little bit, you know. And to keep the money in the country in the book is, basically, when you're buying drugs, you're supporting terrorism aimed at you. I mean, bottom line, when it comes down to it. I mean, you can read the particulars in the book, but you're dealing, think about that when you do it, you know. And then I put in a section called the Chernobyl Syndrome. It's like drug dealers are really smart. The cartels are smart. They have a thing called silver or lead. You either take our money or we kill you. They're very smart. They're, They're... you know, the DEA guys on the street are just as smart as the drug guys, maybe have a slight edge on them. But the politicians in this country are morons, and I mean that in the truest sense of the word. They, by, just by the fact that a drug cartel can dig a tunnel, you know, or get a submarine or whatever they're doing, that means they can slip terrorists into our country. And you should be thinking about that when you're getting high, you know. And, you know, the money you're going to lose, um, the fact that environment, people don't normally equate environment with drug use. You know, now these are old figures because I haven't looked at the new ones, but when I first wrote my book, from 300,000 to 500,000 tons of toxic waste go into the Amazon River every year from illegal drug labs. The same thing happens here in the United States. So, like, it's snort a line, kill a tree. So people who are environmentalists who get high, you're actually doing a disservice to the environment. And so I like to put all these things in so hopefully, maybe when someone's getting high, they'll think about one of these things and go, hmm, maybe I shouldn't do this right now. Or maybe I can't. You know, I try to get other things other than what everyone else uh, talks about because everyone's got that covered. And, you know, and then the last thing that I put in the book roughly was check yourself out or check, and check yourself in. Uh, the one thing I noticed when I saw programs, uh, when I went to other programs just to look after, after I wrote my book, 
Right. They're like very jealous religions. They don't want to hear from anybody else. And if you don't adhere to their particular format, you're out of luck. And I'm not saying it's not bad, because in the book it says, whatever it takes, do it. But I wanted to do something that's totally inclusive that anybody can use, that there's no restrictions. You know, there's no, there's certain, like even with AA, there's certain restrictions. If, if, if you're not into the Bible, then you're not into AA. And that means you're cut off from help. So I wanted to do something that at least gives everybody a chance, you know, to, to at least look at the problem in a very simple way. It's only a 50-page book, and I did that on purpose. You know, I try to refine the essence down on every one of the things, you know. It's like one section says, you know, um, have breakfast in the morning after you get up, not before you go to sleep. That, if you do drugs, that's a whole thing. Because you know that at 5 in the morning, after you've been getting high all night, you want to go have a breakfast, a, a gigando you know, breakfast burrito at Ming Choi's Gut Bomb Palace. And you shouldn't be doing that. Physically, it's not good for you. So you tell, as simple as it is, just the difference between having breakfast after you wake up and before you wake up is an entire world-changing situation. And I try to do that, you know, if you're going to take vitamins, you have to absolutely take pills. Take multivitamins. Don't take the whole bottle all at once. One a day is fine, which is kind of funny, but it's true because it deals to the psychology. Well, if one is good, 50 must be better, you know, the, sure. which is kind of the drug mentality. So I try to deal with all the things I could think of, and, you know, I put a little workout in it. Yeah. Because you when have we, to... When we come back, we're going to take a break here. We've been talking to Skip Haynes. We'll... Uh... We'll get into the talking to yourself in the mirror and the different things you can do in a week. And then I'd also like to ask you some questions when we come back about your activism in this area. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll touch base with some of those topics. We'll be right back with Skip Hain. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Why do people behave the way they do? The study of human behavior is one of the most interesting facets of life. Human behavior gets played out in a limitless number of ways. Now, there's a radio program that explains the why and the how of what we do. Human Behavior, What a Trip, is hosted by Dr. Jonathan Brower and will include interesting guests as well as call interaction from people like you. Let's have fun with this together. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back. This is John McAndrew. We've been talking with Skip Haynes, and Skip is a, a man of many, many talents. Uh, and we've been talking about his book, The Book of Rehab. And I want to give our listeners some information here. Um, first of all, the book is available at the website, plus of, uh, lots of other things you can learn about Skip. www.thebookofrehab.com. Also, Skip does work for and with uh, and about animals. So there's another website, www.petcds.com, P-E-T-C-D-S.com, and we'll get into that maybe in the last segment. And during break, I was talking to Skip, who's been interviewed by everybody in the world on CNN and all the major networks, and he said he's never been able to really talk in length, you know, about his book. And so we appreciate having him here today, of course. And the book of rehab, or how to get out from behind the eight ball. And on the front cover, there's an eight ball with with a monkey eating a banana behind it. Whose idea was that, Skip? Well, actually, it came from the, those phrases you're saying were the different. The book was originally called. Uh, uh, how to straighten up your act in one week and keep the money in the country. And then the okay. next edition, it was called yeah, You Can't Sell Bananas with a Monkey on Your Back. And that phrase came from, um, I was sitting in front of my Coke dealer's table at 4 o'clock one morning. It's sometime in the far distant past. And I looked up at him and I said, hey, man, you never snort. How come? And he looked me right in the eye with... Uh, uh, I could tell he, he didn't think too much of me, and he said, because you can't sell bananas with a monkey on your back. Oh, my oh. gosh. And then it took me 15 years, but when I was doing another edition of my book, I went, oh, that phrase popped back in my head. And then if you go to our website, there's also I also wrote a song, which is I want to turn the book of Rehab into a musical, Rehab awesome. the Musical. And the lead song is called You Can't Sell Bananas with a Monkey on Your Back. Oh, and brother. So that's where that whole thing came from. And it was such a, well, I mean, I never forgot it. I kept snorting for another probably eight years. But I never forgot what he said and the way he looked at me like, you are a moron. Yeah. Give me your money. <laughs> oh, brother. Yeah, so, so in the book, we're going to continue with this little section called Talking to Yourself in the Mirror. And, and this is, you know, among other things, sort of a little workbook. That, that people can use with some exercises and some, some hints and tips. And uh, just take us through a little, a little bit of that, would you? Yeah, you know, talking to yourself in the mirror, one of the first things I did when I got clean, and the word I was using, the original word in the original book, started with A-S-S and ended with the letter E, okay? Yeah. And uh, that was for me, myself. And one of the first things I did was, and I tell people to do this, you take a tube of electric pink Dago lipstick and you write moron on all the mirrors in your house 
including the ones on the coffee table, because it's almost impossible to snort a line off of uh, lipstick. Um, so, <laughs> so you remind yourself every time you look in the mirror of what you're trying to do. You know, and, and, I, and so I thought, what can, you know, the, the reason for my book is it tells you someone what to do the second they decide to quit. When you're hugging the toilet bowl going, please, God, I will become Mother Teresa. I will never do it again. When you feel that bad, that's when my book works. And it tells you literally what to do for one week. And that's why it's called How to Straighten Up Your Act in One Week. Because you do it for one week, and then you do it for the next week, and you do the same thing for the next week, etc. And the reason I chose a week is because that's the shortest amount of time that people can see a change, and you can see a change in yourself by not doing drugs, where people will notice you look different. You will notice you look different. You will notice you feel differently. And um, so that's why I chose the time span. And they said, well, I'm going to have to tell people exactly what to do. So yep. that's how this, you know, the, the, the talking to yourself in the mirror, you know, talks about vanity. Vanity can be a very constructive process, you know. Use it, you know. Um, since, you know, since you're the one that has to look at yourself in the mirror every day, you might as well like what you want to look at, what, what you're looking at, you know. Vanity is good for you. As it says in the book, spruce yourself up. Yeah, clean, you know? clear eyes. Yeah, yeah, and, and you'll notice the difference. You know, and it, it talks about habits. It talks about redecorating. You know, I tell people, look at, you know, the main premise of this book and, and everything is your environment. Your environment controls you, period. Whatever your environment is at the moment, that will control how you act. The difference between talking with some, we're talking at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon my time. If we were talking at 7 o'clock at night, it would be a different conversation. Because of the environment. So I tell you know, people, look, you know you're going to have habits. You know you're going to do things. So what you have to do, the whole book is aimed at change the environment you live in. If you change your environment to make it easy for you to become straight, you will. If you stay in an environment that makes it easy for you to get high, you will. So I try to tell people, here's how to change your environment. First thing I say is get up and leave geographically, just go, go someplace else, you know, and then I tell them, if you can't go someplace else, change all the furniture in your house, change everything around, so it reminds you of what you're trying to do, tells, you know, obvious things like, get rid of all your paraphernalia, get rid of all your drugs, get rid of all your liquor, throw it out, you know, but when you're high, you wouldn't think of that, and when you're doing drugs, I can't throw my stuff out, but that's what you have to do. You know, and these are all little paragraphs, and it tells you what to do. It tells you, you know, how to eat. It tells you you have to exercise a little bit. And these are all very, very short phrases. These are not, you know, mm-hmm. it's like you have to figure it out yourself. This, this is kind of like soup starter. Like, yeah. it gives you the places to go. It's a road map, but you have to take the journey yourself, and you have to do your own research, you know. And it, well, you, you, know, mentioned, you mentioned early in the book, um, and this is why it kind of jumped out at me, mm-hmm. that we have, we have no discipline, and the insanity of alcoholism and drug addiction is mm-hmm. that, we, I mean, nothing really, nothing else really matters. Right. Um, and you go through these, and these are like little tiny, easily to do little disciplines. Mm-hmm. 
um, that you do for a week. Tell me about, this is really good, the ultimate no-no. This is one of the, the last ones. No excuses. Yeah, no what does excuses. that mean? Racks is tired and water's wet. No excuses, ever. It's your fault that you messed yourself up. It's your responsibility. I don't care who you are or what you're doing. You can't pay anyone to get high for you, and you can't pay anyone to get straight for you. It ultimately comes down to you. So don't make any excuses. If you fall off the wagon, get back up and keep doing it. You know, it's that simple. And, you know, one of the other things I learned, my book itself is kind of like a little drug test because there's three reactions that usually happen when you give somebody this book. One is they'll look at it and kind of brush through it and put it down. That usually means they're considering quitting, but they're not there yet. If someone sits down and reads it all the way through, they're ready. If someone looks at it and throws it across the room, they're probably not ready to quit, and it really won't matter what you do, you know. So Mm -hmm. this is primarily for people who are ready. And sometimes, or a lot of times, they don't know they're ready, but this can kind of kick them into, make them think about it. Especially you do this each position. day for one week, and you have the clean out your environment, mm-hmm. keep it moving. This is interesting when you get into this. You've got three sections, uh, four sections for people. Right. And you say, write down the names of people that are losers. Well, people and places. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah. write down, actually write down the names of the people that really weren't your friends in the first place, and then write down the names of three people that are positive, the same way with places. Why is that effective? Well, you know, it's like, um, it's like uh, uh, changing environment. That does not mean changing bars you're going to. That means stay away from the places you like to go all the time. If you like going there, stay away from it. The people that hang out with you, stay away from them. It's only for a week. And frankly, they probably won't even notice you're gone. And if they do, you know, you just tell them, hey, I'm sick right now. I'm recovering from an illness. I'll talk to you next week. And then go out and find, quote, the enemy. Find straight people that you know that are friends of yours or not even friends of yours, people who aren't interested in the price of, you know, cocaine in Peru or whatever, uh, and hang out with them. Because you have to get away from the... It's part of changing your environment. It's all part of changing your environment. Get rid of the people. They're vampires. The people you live with are vampires. They will suck up all your energy. A lot of times people coming over to see you are coming over to see your drugs. They're not coming over to see you. The second the drugs are gone, they're gone. So you don't want people like that. You know, you want people that will put positive energy into your life. But somebody has to tell you that. You have to get the roadmap. You know, one of the other things I tell people to do is because someone did this to me. Tell them to go to the morgue. Literally, go to the morgue. If you really want to quit, slip the night man a couple of bucks, have him show you around the place. He'll show you a couple other morons who had too much fun, just like you. If this doesn't scare the hell out of you, or at least enough to start thinking about, you know, cleaning up your act, slip another five bucks, you know, because you're going to be there soon. And I tell people to do that because I did that once. And it left a lasting impression on me. Someone dragged me down to the morgue in Chicago. And it was like, oh. <laughs> I don't want to be here. This, this, this is a reality I do not want to deal with. 
So I suggest people do that. You know, if you really want to quit, try to We've do been that. talking with Skip Haynes. We're going to take a break here in a minute. And we, when we come back, um, kind of one of the last parts of your book is called Did You Know? And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm always one with some information. And you're gonna, I want you to tell us a little bit sure. kind of about some of these uh, truths and not truths about different about alcohol mm-hmm. and drugs. And, uh, and then uh, probably the last part of the segment, I'd like to kind of tell uh, you tell us all what you're up to today with, you know, your book and your songs and mm-hmm. your work with pets and animals. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be back in just a minute uh, with Skip Haynes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family-centered recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. We've been talking with Skip Haynes, the writer of the Book of Rehab, which actually had uh, some different titles. He kind of keeps publishing and putting the book out with some additions to it. It used to be called uh, How to Straighten Up Your Act in One Week and Keep the Money in the Country. And then it was called You Can't Sell Bananas with a Monkey on Your Back. And that's, uh, Skip, one of the most amazing quotes. We told the story about where that came from. Also, on the front cover of the book, though, this is very important. If, if there's someone you know has a habit problem, and that includes a lot of things, and you don't know what to say to them, this book can do your talking for you. And I believe that that's very, very true. The website's www.thebookofrehab.com. Um, 
Skip, you were a famous rock musician. You've lived in L.A. You're a graphic designer. Where did the animal stuff come in? Because I don't want to leave you today without being able to talk and for well, us to learn a bit, little bit about the animal. Are there animal books or CDs? Well, we, we have a company called the Laurel Canyon Animal Company, and uh, it's just because I'm an avid animal lover and environmentalist. And um, we, we started doing CDs in 1999, musical CDs. We created compositions. Uh, we started out with dog lovers because we thought the music industry was starting to tank and, you know, like, okay. let's go someplace else. And we did a CD called Ugly Dogs Need More Love. It was for dog lovers. And it actually did so well. We ended up doing another one called Catatonic for cat lovers. And that did well. And then we did, we thought it would be a hoot to find a parrot with a snappy phrase and record okay. the parrot, build a song around it, and register it at ASCAP as the first parrot ever registered as a composer and a performer. <laughs> <laughs> So we did that, and we found a parrot named Carla whose signature phrase was, I'm a green chicken. And we did a song called, I'm a green chicken, and put the album out. And it did really well. And we had so much fun working with the parrot in the studio. We started looking around for other animals to work with. And to make a very long story short, we did a CD with Coco, the gorilla who understands English and communicates through sign language. We did an album with her. And then we thought this was so much fun because it was communicating with another species through music and computers, like right. Close Encounters of the Third Kind, that we started looking for an uh, animal psychic to see if we could, you know, uh-huh. communicate with animals. And we found one in Chicago, and she wanted to do it with dogs, so we did a CD called Songs to Make Dogs Happy, and we, she tested over 250 dogs nationwide for lyric content and we sent her music samples and she played them and we did the CD based on the dog's responses to the communicator and it's called Songs to Make Dogs Happy and dogs love it. Dogs absolutely go nuts over the CD. Wow. And then we did one with these pink dolphins. We used animal communicators and there's pink dolphins that live in the Amazon River Basin and we did a whole album called Music from the Pink Dolphins um, so forth. And it's just kind of musicians having fun. Mm-hmm with communicating, and it got into, you know, it actually started getting into scientific research doing it because yeah. we work with animals so much. And the other thing I like to say about animals, animals yeah. are one of the few things that drug addicts will put above their drugs, literally. You know, um, and I've seen this with homeless people because we work with homeless people and we work with other addicts. If, if a heroin addict many times has $10 left, for either a needle or to feed their cat. Many times they will feed their cat before they will get high. And it's wow, the only thing strong hard. enough to pull people away from drugs. You know, and it works in prison with animals. And, and even with me, I, I remember when I used to come home faced in the morning when my dog looked at me, no matter how high I was, mm-hmm. I would always walk or take, you know, say, I'm really sorry for being this loaded. I won't do it again, you know, and that, that's the one thing that always cut through everything that I did. So, so we just got, you know, involved with the animals. If people are interested, you can, if you want to check out, there's a song called Squeaky Deaky on our Pet CDs website. People yeah. can go to the website and bring your dog in the room and play Squeaky Deaky and watch what happens. It's so www.petcds.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the other website's thebookofrehab.com. 
what other things do you have? I mean, Skip, I, I'm assuming I'm looking at all this stuff you're doing, and I'm wondering if you are you still getting sleep? You have oh time yeah, to sleep? yeah, yeah. It's because I work at home. It's great. You know, I was lucky. I got away from drugs. Now I'm living in a house on the side of the hill in LA, in the Hollywood Hills, that I always wanted to do. You know, I can do my work from home, and uh, um, it works out quite well. And it also keeps you, you know, up and running. It keeps you, you, you have to have goals in life. And it kind of gives you short-term goals and mid-term goals and long-term goals. And, I'm, and I'm that's very happy really part it. of what you're talking about in this book, isn't yes. it? Yes, it is. Is to do positive things. So what's your next, you talked about a musical. What, uh, what kind of a musical are you talking I, about? Yeah, I want to turn it into Rehab, the musical. Because I think it could be something, because I write music, you know, uh-huh. for everything. And I already have the songs, most of the songs written for the musical. Because if you go on our rehab website, there is a uh, kind of a musical audio book version, which is totally insane. I can't <laughs> even describe it. It just kind of happened <laughs> when we did it. And there's, you know, there's voice, there's uh, audio books, and there's spoken word. I did all of this, but... Uh, for the, uh, the, the book itself, and I started thinking, this would make a great musical. Because in effect, what it would be, it would be like a, um, going to a session or going, you know, going to a meeting, but you could take a date to it. And you could go out and really have a good time and, and uh, go to a show that would reinforce what you're trying to do. And would be a very funny show and would also you know, give out good information because all, all of this is the book. It's all the information. It's, uh, it's the same story for everybody. All the rehab places do all the same thing. You know, they just do it in a different way. That's all. Yeah. But so it's, and I'm going to check that myself. And it's just really fascinating all the work you do, that you do. And, and in closing in the book, mm-hmm. there's a section called the program. Check yourself out and check yourself. And, and this is where you describe it as being very inclusive, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and personal support. So maybe take, tell us just a little bit about what brought you to write this program piece. Well, it was just that, you know, I knew my book wouldn't work for everybody, but I didn't want people, you know, because I had been rebuffed by some programs. I, I didn't want people to feel like that with my book. And I know that, different, you know, AA works for some people, that, and it wouldn't work for other people. Uh, Narcanon, you know, works, you know, da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Whatever promises works for some people and doesn't work for others. So I, to me, it's like doesn't matter where you go. Just go. Do it. And that's basically what I tell people. You know, pick up the phone. Everybody has 800 numbers. Be the best money you never spent. Yeah. Call them up. Do it. You know, and, and you know, it, it's, it's inclusive. So that, that, it's a very short paragraph, but to me it's very, very important. doesn't matter how you do it. Just do it. That'll and personal, all the and personal the support, which is a common thing mm-hmm. in well, everything, support, isn't it? It's fine, you know, the, what I tell them is the person that gave you the book is the first person to go and talk to. They are all, yeah. all, they're already a friend. They're already in your corner. Use it wisely. Go to We've them. been talking to Skip Haynes about his book, The Book of Rehab, and, and we, uh, you know, on behalf of uh, One Hour at a Time, we want to thank you, Skip, and hopefully people will follow up, get to your website, and uh, 
you can't sell bananas with a monkey on your back. You know, <laughs> nothing else. Remember that. And you close the book with this. It says, good luck, stay out of trees, and welcome back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Skip Haynes. Thanks, Jen. It was great talking to you. I, I hope it'll help some people. All right. It certainly will. And we'll uh, look forward to next week's show. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week.